is the Influencer Entrepreneurs Podcast with Jenny Melrose, where I strategize with business owners on how to grow and scale their businesses to hit their income goals. This is episode 266 of the Influencer Entrepreneurs Podcast with Jenny Melrose. Today, we're going to be talking about productive blogging guide to make more money with Caroline Wenzel. We are going to be breaking down what this should look like for you and your blogging business. Before you we dive into that, I want to make sure that you grab my email list guide. We've talked about this plenty of times. You're going to hear us reiterate it so much more in this podcast episode, but you need to be growing your list. So if you haven't already grabbed that guide, send me a DM on Instagram at Jenny underscore Melrose, and we can make sure that you get that so that you can get started growing that list because you are going to hear how it is going to help you be that much more productive. All right, let's dive in. Hi, Caroline. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. I am so excited. As we were saying before the call, I feel like we've always run in similar circles. I consider us the dinosaurs of the internet for the most part. Um, But before we really jump into this conversation, will you introduce yourself and your business to my audience? Sure. So hi, everybody. I'm Caroline Wenzel. Um, I am the owner of carolinevenzel.com. I help women with their money, um, with their online businesses. I am a blog coach, a money coach. I create templates now for helping people create products and market them. Um, and yeah, this all kind of started back in 2015 when I was literally like, okay, so your audience is mostly like bloggers, right? Yes. They're going to get this. Okay, cool. So perfect. So you guys are going to get this story. So I'm on Pinterest one day and I'm like in like this postpartum haze. And I literally like I'm sitting on Pinterest, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. I saw a post that was how I made $20,000 in my first month blogging. And I, of course, am like, blogging. If you can do it, I can do it. And I sat there and I wrote my first hello world post and I kept hitting refresh on my page. Like when's the money going to come in? When is it going to all come to me? Like, I know that I can do this. That's how it works, right? You make a post and the internet just knows. So obviously we know that that's not how it works now, but way back when I sat there and I waited and it turned into an obsession with trying to figure out how to make it all work. And I will not lie. The first like six months were, were rough. It was like, we're talking like 60 hour weeks with three little kids running around a brand new baby. It was a bad decision for me to have gone and done like 60 hour work weeks at that point. But luckily um, I wound up finding out, like I can say no to certain things and say yes to the things that I actually want to do that actually move the needle forward. Um, and I can say no to the things that I don't want to do. Like for, for me, I don't want to do Twitter. I have no desire to do Twitter. That sounds horrible to me. So I took that off of my plate completely. What I do like to do Instagram. So that's back on my plate, YouTube it's back on my plate. So yeah, basically just figuring out what didn't work really early on and, uh, changing it up from there is kind of how I started. Now, um, I retired my husband earlier this year, moved my whole family from, uh, our original state to a brand new one, live around family, have a house in the mountains. Yeah. All thanks to a little blog that I expected to make $20,000 from the first month in. (laughs) Right. So let me ask you this then. When you started your blog, you 
already knew that it could make money. It wasn't a hobby. It was like you went into it with the intention of it being a business. Absolutely. Um, my whole goal was like, I, I'm always very money forward, which probably sounds like a bad thing, but I swear I'm constantly like, is this worth the time, the energy that I'm going to be putting into it? My time is not free. Even when I was doing primarily just like being a stay-at-home mom, I'm like, is this actually going to move the needle forward? Is this going to help my kids save my family money, whatever it is to move my life forward? Or is this just a waste of time? And so with blogging, I went into it with the idea that I was going to make money from this straight off the bat. Yes. And I think the time you came in was such a good time because I feel like there was information out there. There was, so when you, well, when I said we were dinosaurs, like <laughs> I'm a, six years older than you in internet years. So like dinosaurs really did roam the earth. It Pinterest barely existed when I started. Yeah. Um, I feel like there wasn't as much information out yep. there as there, especially if they're compared now, but 2015, that yep. was, I didn't even understand in 2009 that I could monetize it. So yep. let me ask you this. How were you able to monetize your blog? So right off the bat, um, and I don't recommend that everybody do this. I literally found every single ad network that I could find to stuff ads onto my site. Like we're talking, it was like double sidebar ads. There was an ad that took over the whole page. There was stuff that pushed my content down, pushed it up. Like we're talking every single possible ad that you could think of. I stuffed onto my blog Um, because in my head, I never wanted to sell things. Which is, you know, you, you know me now and you're like, that's crazy. I was the Girl Scout who couldn't sell cookies. I was so afraid of asking for a sale ever. I'm like, you want to buy the Girl Scout cookies? Maybe yes. Don't like, maybe no. I'm sorry. I don't want to bother you, but like, right. here you go. And that was the attitude that I carried over into blogging. So I'm like, okay, I never want to sell anything. That just sounds so icky. I'm only going to make my money off of ad revenue from page views. And obviously, Pinterest worked a lot better in 2015 for getting instant gratification from page views from putting a pin out than it did now. Um, and so those were easier. But like we're still talking, I made like 17 cents in my highest earning month from AdSense. And I was like over the moon with that. But at the same time, I'm like, this is obviously not scalable. This is not something that I'm going to be able to know that I can pay my bills every single month just from ad revenue. And it wasn't until um, in 2016, Pinterest was like flying high. And then they had like this huge crash. Um, and everything kind of like we saw businesses or blogs that were primarily traffic based go away overnight. Like it was a scary wake up call of you can't just rely on ad revenue for your income. Um, and so from there, it was, I started with the ads and then I slowly started introducing affiliates. Um, and it started off with Amazon affiliates and that works really well. I made the mistake of, as a frugal blogger, um, going and trying to find different places through like share a sale or like CJ commission junction or Agathon. I made the mistake of trying to sort everything based off of how much I could earn which was a bad call, bad call, bad call. Um, because I started recommending pottery barn to my people who were like poor and broke. And like, I just need to know how to make beans and rice stretch for a week. And I'm like, buy pottery barn stuff so that I can make an affiliate commission. And obviously 
that didn't work. So it took a lot of learning about affiliates before I could actually start selling anything. Amazon was a lot easier than any other kind of affiliate because everybody knows Amazon. Um, But those were two of the big places that I started was ad revenue, which was horrible user experience coming into my site and then affiliate earnings. So when did you decide to start creating your own products? Um, Probably way too late. Um, (laughs) All of us did. I know. I know. I was like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And um, it took me probably, let me think back. It was probably a year and a half before I ever made my first product. And that was a product that um, do as I say, not as I do. Um, I made the mistake of, I was like, you know, I want to make this product. I did not have the email list for it. I did not have a promotional strategy. I made this product and it was the biggest flop ever. We're talking nobody bought it. Nobody bought it. Not a single buyer at all. Um, And that was because I didn't know what I was doing. And then I went back to swearing up and down that I was never going to sell anything because selling is icky. I can't sell. And then I finally was like, okay, I'm going to make something for my primary audience. Not that I want to make necessarily because I'm like, this is a great idea, but something that my audience actually needed, actually wanted and had told me that they wanted. And I was like, that's so simple. Everybody has one of those. It's a budget binder. It's literally managing your money. And that little $7 budget binder um, was my first $1,200 sale um, over like a three-day period of time. And I was like, I can do this. And so then the floodgates of product creation opened up. And now I have an entire shop full. I have membership sites. I have courses. The whole shebang, like... It, it all it took was that one product that worked. And I was like, I know I can do this. And so it's just it, gotten better. <laughs> in, in order to make that product work mm-hmm. was one of the steps that you had to do to increase the list and to actually have a list that was niche towards that product. Absolutely. 100%. You need to like, this is something um, that I believe strongly in is having an email list. Um, because again, like I, like I just said about Pinterest, like we saw... Pinterest screw over a bunch of different people, like take traffic away overnight. We saw that with Facebook pages too, like relying solely on a social platform as a way to reach your audience. That's not something that's in your control. So when somebody was like an email list, you can control how many times you reach those people. That spoke to me because I don't like people to tell me what to do (laughs) with like social platforms. So I'm like, oh, okay. All right. So growing an email list, 100%, making sure that you have an audience to sell that product to, that they want to buy that product is absolutely crucial. Yes. I could not agree more. I always say social is like rented property, whereas email list is something you actually own. So I could not agree more. That's a perfect analogy because that's exactly what it is. You can't control it. They can change overnight. They could be like, you know what? Each pin that you make on Pinterest, we're going to charge you $10. Like we have no control over that. Right. But with that email list, we have the control. Yes. So (laughs) how can we quickly create products that we are able to monetize? Ooh. So the easiest, well, easiest, I think, is an ebook. Something that you can write up. Um, You can do it inside of my first ebook, True Story. Um, I made it in... Google Sheets and Google Docs. And it was 
pretty much just explaining how to use a very rudimentary spreadsheet that I had made. And it was, it was not pretty. It was not fancy, but that is still the tripwire that converts the best for my list. It makes no sense to me other than the fact that it's like, it's really good content. And that's all that people care about. So you can make a, an ebook. You can make a, um, if you do like a chart or any kind of like grids, you can do all of that in Google Sheets or Google Docs. Super simple. You can do, um, you can do that inside of Canva again really simple to do something inside of Canva and really make it pretty, um, make it fit your aesthetic, your branding, all of that stuff is a lot easier inside of Canva. Um, And then if you're kind of wanting something a little bit next level, you can do a course. There's lots of different options for course platforms that you can use. Um, That does cost a little bit more because course platforms to host it on there costs more. Um, But to start off, if you're like, you know, I just want to dip my toes in the water, make a PDF. It is so much simpler, so much cheaper. No, you don't need to hire a graphic designer. No, you don't need to go broke to to make it look all pretty and everything. Your people are there for the content. That's what they're there for. Yes. So now the PDF that you created, how did you know that that would sell? Oh, I had no idea. It's one of those things where it's like when you make a product in theory, you're like, this should do really well. And sometimes you really don't know until you launch how well something is going to do. Like we can always kind of assume like there's a lot of different variables and a lot of different factors that make it really, really difficult to very accurately predict anything. And for what I had made my little budget binder, um, I was like, every other personal finance blogger out there has a budget binder. Why don't I? So I did a little bit of market research in that sense of like, what are other people who are really successful in this space? What are they doing? What are they selling? What's in their shop? What is considered a bestseller? Um, What do I keep hearing about? And I was kind of able to reverse engineer that based off of what was working for everybody else inside of that space. Now, obviously, I'm not going out and copying people. No one is ever recommending that at all. Like, so nip that one in the bud. But definitely seeing what is working, what's out there inside of that space. What is what is it that people want? Do they want printables? Do they want an ebook? Do they want a course? Do they want video? All of that kind of content ideas you can distill just by looking at what else is working inside of your own niche. Yes. No, I totally agree. So one of the issues that I think I find a lot of people run into is they have an idea for a product, but they don't have the right email list. They have a list, Mm -hmm. but they are thinking of doing a how to become vegan course Uh and they have only recipes on their site. They haven't talked about like how to's or like how Mm -hmm. to get them to that yet. And their opt-in is pantry staples. Gotcha. So when they go to do it, it's so fragmented that they're like, oh, nobody wants this. But unfortunately they might, it's just, they don't have the right people. Yeah. And a lot of times, oh, sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say when you reverse engineered it, because I think that that's what we should be doing. It's like looking at how do I take the product to then get it to the right audience and attract that right audience and create that content for it. What did you find worked best for you? 
Um, so it took a lot of figuring out what I wanted to talk about, honestly. And I think um, I know that there's a lot of different opinions on like niching down. I'm a big fan of like, you don't have to just talk about like, you know, I talk about finances for women. I'm not, you know, picky necessarily in that case, but I'm not going to also have a site about crafting or home decorating or any number of those things, unless it is specific to budgeting. If I was doing like dollar store home decor stuff and I would have the opt-in to that page was going to be how to handle your money. Because I don't necessarily want the people that are there just for the decor ideas. I want the people that are there because they saw home decor on a budget. And they're like, ooh, what other money content am I into? So I'm not going to go out of my way to try to make a freebie for that where I'm trying to grow my list just with people who, quite frankly, I don't want on my list. I have no desire to talk about home decor. I want to talk about money. I want to talk about money all day. Like that's so it took a while for me to niche that down because in the beginning, I was like, I want to be a mom blogger. I just want to help moms and I want to talk about homeschooling and preschool and having fun with the kids and keeping the house clean and all of that. And it was like, it was too much. It was too broad. There was no like distinguishing factor between myself and anybody else. So it took a while to really kind of niche that down. Um, And in the case that you were using with, if you have a vegan, how to start being a vegan, basically. But the only things that you've ever talked about were recipes and cooking from your pantry. If you really want to talk about being a vegan, plant that flag and talk about being a vegan. Make all of your posts geared towards being a... Sorry, I clicked on something. Make all of your posts geared towards being a vegan. All of that stuff is really important to make sure that you're attracting the right people all the time. Yes, I could not agree more because I do. I think that that's one of the biggest issues that I see people having is that they just end up with this disconnect. They come up with a product idea, but it's not the right audience Mm -hmm. or they already have an audience built in. They're like, let me throw a product together and see what'll work. Mm -hmm. Um, But then not actually looking at what are your people already coming to you for? Unless you really know what you want it to be, then go back and like rebuild. But I don't know. It can be, it doesn't have to be so complicated, I think. And we make it so much more complicated than it needs to be. We really do. We really, really do. But at the same time, sometimes we have these ideas and If you guys are like me, my creative entrepreneur brain, I literally am like Doug from up squirrel, squirrel, something else. Oh my gosh. Constantly like with these ideas, I'm like in the middle of making a product and I'm like, you know, it'd be a really great idea. Something that has nothing to do with my niche. And it's like, that is a really great idea, but I have nobody that I can sell it to. And so at this point, you have kind of like the fork in the road. You have two different options. One build a list specific to selling this product, which may take time. It may cost money. And again, still at the end of the day, you might not know if that's actually going to sell, if they even want that. Or two, you can let that idea go by the wayside. And I cannot tell you how many different ideas that I have had to say, like, you know, not now. Like, I can't do this. I don't have that energy. I don't have the people to sell it to. It just happens sometimes. That was the problem with my first product. I had this idea and it's called Pinterest Group Board Master. 
was my course that I made because I wanted to teach people about group boards on Pinterest. Little did I know that Pinterest was going to change everything very quickly. But at the same time, I had this, but the only people who I had on my list were there for budgeting ideas. And here I am promoting this blogging course to people who are there for budgeting ideas. And they're like, not for me, hard pass, hey, thanks. That was the problem. And I think that that's a problem that a lot of us have is we're trying to fit like a square peg into a round hole. Not every idea, while it might be a great idea, not every idea is for you right now. So again, you have that option. You can go and choose to go full force, full steam ahead in that one direction of growing the list specific to that segment with the hope of selling them that product. Or you can stay focusing on where you know your people currently are and give them a product that they already want. Yes, totally agree. And I do. I think that a lot of people will say, oh, I can't sell. I can't do it. And I'll ask, okay, or they'll say they don't want this. And they promoted it once and don't have necessarily the right people that are there. So let's talk about how can we use our email list to increase our sales? So. I must say this, and I'm so thankful for you for saying this because one of my favorite like rebuttals, I guess, that I constantly hear from people is nobody bought my stuff. What do I do? Okay. How many times did you email them about your product? Once. Mm-hmm. I emailed them once. And so I'm going to butcher this. And I definitely should have looked this up before I actually got on a podcast to talk about this. But there's some statistic that it's either you need to be exposed to something seven or nine times before you're willing to buy. Yep. I can never remember if it's seven or nine. So I have to say them both, but and I want to say six to eight. So we're good. Sure. It's like, yeah. So we'll call it seven. Like it's a solid average of seven here. Like that people need to be exposed to something a lot. Like think about it. How many times do you sit there and you watch something on TV and you're like, that's dumb. And then you see the commercial again. And you're like, oh, okay, I get it. And then you see it again in a magazine or on a Facebook ad because nobody reads actual magazines, Caroline, get it together. Like you see it in a Facebook ad, you see it on an Instagram. Somebody else on TikTok has made a video of it. Next thing you know, you're like, I should really buy this. It's because you were exposed to it in different areas, in a different way of posing it to you that stuck with you. It's the same exact thing with our email list. We have to remember that our people have short attention spans. They've got a lot going on. And that one email from Jenny popping up in their inbox, they might have skimmed over top of it. They might have read the first paragraph and were like, okay, cool. I've got something else I got to do. And they've forgotten all about it. Maybe they even saw that you had something for sale and you're like, oh, cool but have forgotten about it because something else happened. Their kid asked them for something. They had to move forward in the carpool pickup line and put their phone down. And then next thing you know, they've forgotten completely about it. That's why you need to have a sales sequence. You need to have an entire period of time, whether it is like, you know, 48 hours, 36 hours, an entire week, five days. It doesn't matter to me how long you want to make your sale, but you have to set up a time where every single day of that period of time, you are emailing them every day. You're in their inbox with the goal of selling your product. It's not just a, Hey, here's the latest blog post in a PS at the bottom. I have my course. I just made it. It's really good. You should go check it out. That does not count. You need to get it in front of their faces. And the 
whole point of those emails that you're sending needs to be about that product. It needs to be with the goal of getting your users to buy your product because not because you're a slimy person. All of my people who are like, I can't sell, selling's icky. You're not trying to sell it because you're like money, 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 money. That's not the whole goal here. Your goal is your people need help. You have the answer for them. You're giving it to them in exchange for currency. That's what we're doing. We're not being icky. We're not being sneaky. You are delivering help that your people need. So anybody who is like, oh, but selling so icky. No, it's not. You're still offering them help. And that's what they're there for. Yes. Absolutely. I could not agree more. And I'm so glad that you got up almost on your pulpit and just oh, yeah. screamed it from the rooftop. <laughs> it does. It needs to be said. I mean, I could one up your, like I sent that one email thing. I had a client tell me I posted it once on an Instagram story and that was all she did and said nobody wanted it. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? You know that that was gone in 24 hours, right? And probably like 200 people maybe saw it of however uh-huh. many people are following you. Come on. Yep. And not only that, but nobody can click on it. You have to remember everything comes back to like, what can people actually do to take an action? Especially if you're posting something on Instagram. I've had people who are like, yeah, I made an Instagram post. It's like, okay, but that's making them do an extra step. Like they have to reach out to you. Even if they said like DM me for the link, people have to reach out to you. That's hard. Like, and like a kind of tongue in cheek, but at the same time, remember like any extra steps that we have to ask people to take in order for them to buy our products, that's another roadblock for them. We live in a society of instant gratification. We're people who like, I want to click this and know if it's for me and make this process super simple. If it takes more than one click, you've lost my interest. Not because I don't want it, but because there's so much other stuff going on. That's the problem that we're dealing with is we have to keep putting our stuff in front of people, not just once, not just in an Instagram post that people can't actually click or a an Instagram story, which now we can all do adding a link, which I'm so excited about, by the way, it's obscene how excited I am about that. But before then, what would people have to do? They'd have to go out of their way to reach you. And it's too difficult. And even that extra step makes things too difficult. And that's a barrier. And it's getting in the way of you reaching your people. And that's why I love email too. (laughs) Yes. Because you can continue to put it out there and see what's working and what's not with all the insights that you get. I could not agree more. So you have a resource that shows us your blogging schedule. Mm Because I think that that's a big piece of why people get overwhelmed. What can we expect to accomplish with it? So inside of my blogging schedule, I really love this. This is one of my favorite freebies that I've ever made. And I actually just... um, updated it, I actually guess. Like it needed to be revamped. It was it was um, a former blogging schedule. But now it is really about kind of helping you look at like the cracks inside of your day of your schedule so that you can really plan out what to do each day. I'm a big fan of time blocking. Um, I'm like really, really nerdy, big fan of time blocking. Like I have prodomo, prodromo timers. I can't remember what the right word is. I can never... <laughs> He's so bad at this. You know, I want to say Pomodoros because that's that's the one, isn't it? I'm saying it wrong. Is it really that is what it is? I don't know. There's an Italian place around here called Pomodoros. So that could be very well what I'm doing right now because of course I'm I'm hungry. I I'm so bad. I know that it's got a lot of O's and a D and an M and a P like yeah, uh, yeah. that's, that's about all I got. So We're I done. do time blocking with the whole concept of like, I've got 15 minutes to sit down, do this task. Once the timer is up, I'm done. I'm moving around. I have four kids. We have like 
four animals. I live in an actual zoo constantly. So I don't usually have just time to just sit down for like eight straight hours to work. And I know that a lot of us, especially starting out, we don't usually have that kind of time, that time freedom. It's usually like, okay, I know that I dropped the kids off at eight and then by nine, I have to be back at the house. Okay. I've got a half an hour in between eight and nine that I know I can sit down and work. What do I need to do? My whole thing with my blogging schedule is literally to sit down and brain dump everything inside of my head that I feel like I have to do. I set aside like 10, 15 minutes every single morning and I just sit down with a stack of post-it notes and I write down every single thing that I'm like, you know, I think I have to do this. And by the end of the day, I have this giant stack of post-its on my desk of things that have already been completed um, and the things that don't matter because let's be real, like we think a lot of times like, oh, I have to post X number of times to all of these different platforms. And if I don't do it live, then it's somehow going to punish me if I don't do it. First off, like if, if there is anything that is ever on the chopping block in a day, it is usually like posting to social media live and feeling like I have to do that. If I only have a certain amount of time, I'm going to be making sure that I send an email. I'm going to be making sure that all of my products are situated. I'm going to make a new freebie, edit an opt-in box, something that again is going to move the needle forward. Because at the end of the day, everything that doesn't move the needle forward is nothing more than busy work. Like in the beginning, I cannot tell you how many times I updated my about me page. It was disgusting how often I updated my about me page and nobody was obviously like going to it because like that was no one was going to my blog at that point. But at the same time, that was what I thought I had to do was update that page if I wanted to be successful or to be seen as successful. And all that ever was, was busy work. It was never actually moving the needle forward. It made me feel like it was important, like it was something good to do, but it never actually resulted in sales or conversions or even people signing up to my email list. Like it just didn't matter. And so coming up with this blogging schedule really helped me. And then I just gave it to you guys um, to really make sure that I knew what I had to do each day. I got all of the noise from inside of my head out onto paper or just even just like could see what I thought that I had to do and really looked at it and said, do I really need to do all of this? And ultimately, I'll only do like five things a day, but they all move my business forward. They all help it to grow. It's not busy work. It's just the stuff that really, really matters to business. Perfect. So we are going to link to that in the show notes. And anyone that's listening knows that you can always send me a DM on Instagram at Jenny underscore Melrose. And I will just simply drop that into your DM so that you have the live link for that. Caroline, where else are the best places to connect with you? Uh, so I'm always on Instagram, as I was just saying how, no, don't, don't do social media. I'm like, I'm always on Instagram. Um, I have a TikTok and basically everywhere I'm at Caroline Benzel. Okay. Excellent. We will make sure to link to those as well. Caroline, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with my audience. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Well, there you have it. I hope you have a grabbed 
Caroline's blogging schedule that she offered. It's going to show you exactly how you can be, be most productive in your day, as well as you can always send me that DM on Instagram at Jenny underscore Melrose. I can send you the email list guide and I can also send you Caroline's blogging schedule. So just send me a DM and I will make sure to get that over to you. As always, I appreciate you all so much who have taken the time to leave a rating and review on your favorite podcasting app. If you haven't already done so, I would so appreciate it if you would. It helps to get better and better, great guests for the show. All right, guys, until next time, I will see you all then. 